0: This is an RNZ podcast.
1: One of the big political moves this week was a limited quarantine free travel bubble with Samoa, Tonga, and Vanuatu to ease labour shortages. And cynics would say that came hard on the back of an adverse political opinion poll last weekend, which reflected a lack of action on that issue, among others. Several industries have long been crying out for more workers to come in from overseas, but not all of those who might benefit from the new bubble were happy. Dairy farmers and nurses say they're struggling to fill labour shortages whilst trying to keep skilled workers in the country. RSE workers from Samoa, Tonga and Vanuatu will be granted quarantine-free access to fill spots in the horticulture and viticulture sectors. But Dairy New Zealand says farmers are feeling ripped off with worker shortages in the thousands. That's TVNZ's Midday News on Monday. And just last month, farmers hit the streets of towns and cities up and down the country in the biggest national protest for years. And as we heard here on MediaWatch, media coverage of that made it clear just how unhappy they felt about the government and specifically what they called a tsunami of regulations created by its environmental policies. There's too many restrictions being put on us and um, I've just had enough. Yeah, that's it. I would say had enough too. And, and the unappreciation of farming, not of what we're actually doing. We are, we aren't. It's not like we're doing nothing. But it seems whatever farmers are doing isn't bringing down greenhouse gas emissions from our dairy farms. Last Thursday, RNZ's morning report began like this. Kia ora, calls Susie Ferguson ho. If I today on RNZ National, greenhouse gas emissions from dairy farms increased to an all-time high despite emissions from dairy cows themselves dropping. This week, Stuff's climate reporter Olivia Wannan took a look at just-released submissions to the Climate Change Commission's report on how we can cut our carbon emissions by 2050 to meet our international obligations. And she found both Beef and Lamb and Dairy New Zealand had said that the commission was far too ambitious in its plan to produce similar amounts of meat and milk, but use 15% fewer animals. Meanwhile, there's also increasing interest in the media in things that might work. Mitigating our agricultural emissions is an ongoing process, but the development of a methane vaccine could be a game changer. Climate change isn't a black and white issue, but reducing emissions requires solutions from some of our biggest contributors. TVNZ 7 Sharp show last week on homegrown efforts to cut cows' methane emissions, and two days later on RNZ National, 9 to Noon looked at a push to do the same for sheep. Uh, Well, we've obviously um, been breeding. Um, studs and performance recording for 53 odd years And, um, and part of that selection is always looking for traits that are relevant, economic, even make our clients farming more efficient or easier. Southland farmer Leon Black there who selectively breeds sheep to reduce methane emissions. Well, This month TVNZ has launched a documentary series all about the future of farming and the environment made by another native of Southland who has roots in farming there dairy farming to be specific.
0: Growing up in rural Southland, I remember when this was nothing but sheep and beef farms. But over my lifetime, I experienced this dramatic transition to dairy. When I was born, there was only 40,000 dairy cows here, and now there's over 600,000. I really don't remember this cow on top of the tavern. (laughs) To be fair, I don't really remember many cows around here growing up.
1: It's Baz McDonald, the maker of Milk and Money, a new six-part series for the youth-focused digital TVNZ platform, Re. It costs $360,000 of public money to make, and it's also now available in full on TVNZ On Demand. Now, several economists and ecologists and environmentalists feature in his series insisting that dairying is dirty and not sustainable as it stands, and the likes of Fonterra's boss and farming industry representatives remind him just how important it is to the economy nonetheless, and that more than people might think is being done to clean up its act. So far so familiar in coverage of the dirty dairying issue. But Baz Macdonald also sits down in the series with farmers themselves to hear them out. We're not some massively evil group of people destroying New Zealand. We certainly don't get it right all the time, but we're certainly heading in the right direction. And watching all this over six parts, you do wonder why such a significant, sensitive and long-running issue has not been documented by a series of this scale before. So, having finally made one, I asked Baz Macdonald why.
0: Yeah, it is surprising. I think there's been a few different kinds of sort of archival environmental reporting in Aotearoa, and obviously a lot of books. This is an issue, and many times I said this to myself as we were covering, I was like, God, I should have just written a book. (laughs) But the thing is, is that, um, you know, there's been lots of books written about this sort of thing, and a subset of New Zealand society reads them and has discussions in their own little bubbles, but we needed something that could reach a much broader audience, and I thought a documentary was the way to do that. Well, you
1: you said you could have written a book. I mean, you did also write accompanying articles. The series is a six-part series. That's right. uh, But there's also articles um, to match that. So you're making use there of the full range of multimedia options, I suppose. That would have been part of your plan from the start?
0: Yeah, absolutely. So not only were we thinking about, you know, a traditional formatted 20-ish minute episode, but then also companion articles, you know, being able to break our graphic explainers out and put them out as their own thing, and episodes, teasers, all of those sorts of things were a big part about what we thought about.
1: When the funding was approved for this, your proposition, way back in late 2019, the same month... Um, Te Papa got an awful lot of pushback when they put on uh, an exhibition about the environmental uh, future for farming uh, targeting young people. Federated farmers and some National Party politicians complained very vocally in the media that this was anti-farming propaganda because it suggested things like New Zealand will have to reduce its number of cows. Well, in fact, samples of river water, dirty river water in clear bottles. Uh, that At the time, I imagine the farming lobby would have been a bit wary of having a whole series devoted to this for a youth-focused digital platform funded from the public purse. Did you encounter sort of hostility to the project from the people that you needed to talk to who represent the industry?
0: No, we didn't. And actually, pre-2019, there was a lot of opposition with the sort of PR of the industry. You know, there was periods of denial of water impacts. There were periods of redirecting focus on emissions. You know, oh, well, it's not carbon, so it's not part of the real problem. But when we came into researching this project, it seems like the industry was at a turning point of their messaging. And actually, no, I think we actually entered researching and producing this series at the same time that the industry sort of said, you know what, we're going to be more progressive with our conversations about what it is we do and what the impacts are and what the barriers are to to mitigating or changing those. There is still a lot of downplaying, but it's not denial straight out anymore. It seems like a, a slight pivot's been made towards downplaying but acknowledging.
1: In the past, I think we've seen farming agricultural lobby groups have wanted to engage with the media kind of on their own terms, even running... For example, uh, there was 2018 um, Dairy NZ and NZME, the owners of New Zealand Herald, and lots of radio stations launched a, this Clear Vision campaign. So they were kind of co-opting or even hiring the media to help put out their message um, that they were working on clean water. Uh, we've seen several other things. Just more recently, um, the MediaWorks company that has a rural radio show form, says they formed a partnership with the Dairy Women's Network and they said part of this would be that news breaks from the Dairy Network would be fed into the programme. So you coming at them with a kind of independently-minded six-part series,
0: that must have worried some of them. You raise a really good point. I think that we've made a very fair and balanced series. I think that uh, we've included perspectives from across the spectrum, whether that be scientific, agribusiness, farmers on the ground, environmentalists. But something that I did keep in mind when we were building out the fair and balance of the series is that there's voices in New Zealand that only have the media in which to speak about the things that they're seeing or uncovering, whereas... Agribusiness is a business and a successful one. They have a lot of resources to message to advertise to market, and they do that like if you look at what the marketing campaigns of the dairy industry have been in the last couple of years, the same period in which we were producing this they 're all focused on how good they are for the environment, how they good they are for communities and so when you 're making a package like this, which is considering the industry there 's voices that wouldn't be heard unless we included them. And so that was definitely something that I thought about when we were building it, while at the same time making sure that the industry had its say where it needed to.
1: Yeah, in a way it seems sinister, doesn't it, when big groups like, say, Dairy Z, or Beef and Lamb, they'll do whole content-based media packages uh, to get these messages out, where it's clearly public relations or bordering on advertising. And yet, on our programme, we spoke to, for example, the editor of King Country News, Heather Carston, and she was very much on side with the groundswell movement in those protests that people would have seen in the news. I mean, she even said uh, to me this do farmers and the groups that represent them have almost every right to spend money and try and persuade the public and try and put those images of people on the land and what they're doing out there into the public in these these uh, you know quite slick and expensive campaigns
0: yeah oh i mean certainly and obviously right now with the Public Interest Journalism Fund, the government's trying to recorrect what we're seeing, which is less reporting happening out of our regions. And absolutely, I think that we need to bolster that. And I think that having reporters in these regions is is pivotal, not only to highlighting the good stuff that's happening, but also to see day-to-day the not-so-good stuff, you know? like, um, So, yeah, I, I definitely think that's important. I don't know if... PR, marketing campaigns is the balance to that. Um, I think probably more reporting from you know, rural newspapers would be would be the answer. But it's interesting, Z did a piece of research a couple of years ago, and I apologise, I can't remember the exact year they did this, or the exact percentage, but they did an analysis of media reporting about the dairy industry and agriculture in general, and they found that over 90% of reporting was positive or neutral. I believe, sorry, I, I'd need to re-refer to this. But around that was like positive and neutral. And then what I remember particularly is that it was only like 10% that they found to be negative or critical. When you have bolstered reporting in the regions, I think that that 90% is probably what they want to see, right? Mm -hmm. And I think if you had bolstered reporting in the regions that you probably would see that shift the balance a little bit when, you know, everyday operations are being more witnessed. Um. And the industry isn't really taken kindly to being witnessed. I mean, if you think back to some of the sort of undercover reporting that's happened, you know, back in 2015 with um, the Bobby reporting through Sunday, or, you know, even in the last couple of years, there were these hidden camera uh, exposés done on treatment of of cows and dairy sheds by contract farmers. Or
1: even more recently, the uh, winter grazing and the conditions in in Southland. Down in Southland,
0: exactly. Mm -hmm. And, you know...
1: Uh, how, though, you,
0: you mentioned that you thought uh, your
1: series was fair and balanced, and look, I, I believe it is too. There's a whole range of voices there and, and an uh, openness of mind in it. But how did you test that? What was being said and even the, the sort of factual information that you decided to pick out and present?
0: Absolutely. There's obviously processes that media go through, you know, it's lawyer checked, we had a fact checker, and there's going to be things that slip through the cracks. Like one that's been highlighted to us is that there's a piece of scripting in the first episode, which says milk prices are 4 to $8 per litre, which well, I meant to say milk solid per milk solids. Um, and that's the kind of thing that farmers will absolutely click into and say, well, like, oh, this is rubbish. But we're happy to have those conversations about where those slip ups are. But generally, everything is Thoroughly vetted, but did you have to make certain
1: compromises because of the nature of what you're doing? I mean, yes. This, yeah, I think, this is television-style doco that could go out on TV One, you know, to a prime-time audience, and I don't think it would be a problem. However, you know, things like, for example, um, just to pick on one thing, I think in episode two, there was uh, dealing with water quality. There was a um, chart which says, you know, fish health, and there's a line going downwards, and cow numbers. Mm-hmm. Uh, the line going, you see the two cross over. No source on either axis. I mean mm-hmm. it's just illustrating, I guess, a fundamental principle that cow numbers have gone up, water quality has gone down, fish health has declined. If the detail isn't quite there before your eyes, mm-hmm. you know, were there times where you really had to simplify to the point where people who really know that this is complex and nuanced would be looking at that and thinking, that's too simple.
0: Yeah, I think that's fair. Like a lot of the graphs and stuff you see animated are based on Things that have been published by researchers and scientists and government organisations in New Zealand. Uh, that particular chart was based on two different graphs that we put together over the same time period. And yeah, absolutely, you know, you could say, you know, there's no numbers on the X's and all of those kinds of things. And we're happy to have those conversations. You know, it's a, the time
1: period of coming up with this proposal, this idea, and the time when it's actually out. We've had COVID in the middle, which I guess would have disrupted your production like it disrupted everything. But now we're at a point where, you know, the farmers are kind of pointing out without international tourism, farming really is the big pillar of the economy. Does that change the equation?
0: There's always going to be shocks to the system. You know, even in the past two decades that dairy's been booming, we've had multiple economic disruptions. And now we have another one with you know, a physical pandemic that's disrupted the markets as well. There's always going to be times when you say, well, now's not the time. We have to be, you know, economically um, conservative right now. Um, But in, in making the decisions we made... We didn't look forward far enough, and now we're sort of paying the costs of that. And, you know, as I say to Miles Harrell in that first episode, you know, in the early 1980s... the boss of Fonterra. That's right, the CEO of Fonterra. In the early 1980s, the OECD did a report about this kind of intensive agriculture system. New Zealand was on the tipping point of deciding where it was going to go for its land use, and their report said, don't do it. Like, we've seen the impact it's had on other countries, like make a different decision. We went forward because that's where the money was, and now we're seeing the impact of that. So we just need to think forward further. Peter Fraser says in the first episode as well, he's like, we, we've we taken on so many economic endeavours in New Zealand that we've just run into the ground. You know, like, we cashed in our kauri, we cashed in our seals, we cashed in our whales. We can't cash in our environment. Like, we have to... We have to make decisions that are going to give it long longevity, both economically and environmentally. Yeah,
1: he saw water as underpinning that, didn't he? Yeah, be pretty much monetizing the water. Absolutely.
0: But, but in terms of, I just don't see that there's another way. We need to at least start on that journey. Let's acknowledge that change needs to happen and then make feasible steps to make that happen. So... What do you
1: think over the next, say, five years, what would really help in terms of media coverage? Would it be series like yours, updated, series two, part two, whatever? Or is it kind of daily reporting? Is it the sort of thing Heather Carston was complaining about, that maybe mainstream media organisations only re-reporting farming as a business and not as a a community thing? What do you think is going to help as this transition goes on and the people, whether they're urban or rural,
0: uh, what do they need from their media? I've seen so many times you know, urbanites, try and have conversations with the rural sector and the response is like, you don't know enough about my industry to comment on it. Like, you don't know how it operates, you don't know what the actual issues are, where they come from, and what the barriers are to fixing them. And so, with this series, we wanted to create a resource that everyday New Zealanders could watch and at least have a baseline understanding of those three things so that they could have a conversation.
1: And uh, do you, or do people want this? I mean, as we know country calendar outrates just about everything, which occasionally touches on the tough side of farming the economics and so on. It's not all about people on lifestyle blocks growing persimmons or whatever. (laughs) Um, uh, So does that indicate there actually is an appetite for material um, such as yours that actually tackles the big stuff as well as, uh, you know, the colour of rural life? If I can put it like that.
0: I think so. But I think what we realised early is that the farmers were kind of right that like the majority of people use phrases or like discuss things that they don't actually understand the mechanisms of mm-hmm. you know like the word intensification, for instance, or intensive, I feel like is one that gets bandied about a lot, yeah. but if you were to survey most people who use it, they wouldn't actually understand the mechanics behind what they're talking about um so i think I think country Calendar has an audience already of dedicated New Zealanders um and they are both specific and broad i think country calendar is amazing by the way kiwis want something a resource you know that that allows them to have understanding of the things they need to have proper conversations and i think that's what i want to see the media do going forward is is make sure that we're not just speaking in business jargon or speaking in um farming jargon and you know there's a lot of jargon involved in this industry
1: and actually finally I wonder how it was for you. Uh, I mean, when the farming lobby hears, OK, there's a publicly funded project here for a TVNZ youth-based digital platform, you turn up uh, with questions, they're probably thinking, oh, my God, here's some uh, bearded urban hipster uh, <laughs> going to produce some sort of woke environmentally focused thing. And you have real roots in in farming and the actual dairy
0: transition that you're talking about right in South in pre-production for this series, there was thousands of phone calls to farmers and agribusiness people. And I think picking up the phone and hearing my thick southern accent probably was a bit reassuring to people. Oh, you know, what? I hadn't picked it up. Um... <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> um, you know, it's funny. I saw a comment someone posted on one of our, our posts just today being like I think it's an Aucklander pretending to be a Southlander because it's it's too thick it's farcical <laughs> okay.
1: Now that is that is a bit unfair and having put the series out I mean all six episodes now available uh, in one go on TVNZ On Demand or on the, the ReNews website um, and now that it's out um, have the likes of Fonterra uh, or Beef and Lamb or Dairy Z run the rule over it and come back with um, a series a set of grievances or are they broadly happy with uh, what you've put out?
0: I worked with Fonterra and Darien Z very closely in developing the series and I feel like I have good working relationships. I haven't heard back from either organisation yet and as a journalist, there's part of my brain that's like they're, they're putting together the hammer at the moment to drop on me. I'm more than open to discussing issues that they might have and in fact... Um, I don't want to jump the gun here, but we're actually trying to develop at the moment a way to cap off the rollout of the series where we want to have a sort of town hall discussion that we live stream with farmers, with Dairy Zed, with myself as well, because I want to be held accountable for the story that we're telling. And we want the public to write in with questions, queries, concerns, where we want to be in a farming community, maybe in the Waikato, so that farmers can come and voice their questions, queries, concerns. And so I hope that both Jerry and and Fonterra know that our objective's always been to start a conversation. This is just the first step. If they have questions, queries, concerns, corrections, all of those different things, we want to work with them on... Broadcasting those, because this is not like a a shot across their bow, but let's use this as a platform to start a robust conversation about a sustainable future for our rural communities, for our economy, for our environment.
1: That's Baz MacDonald, the maker of Milk and Money, a multimedia documentary series all about the future of farming and the environment. It's on the TBNZ digital platform, RE, along with articles all about the topics in the series, and the series is also available to watch in full on TBNZ On Demand.